Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Two for One podcast brought to you by Anchor and In the Lane, a Miami Heat NBA podcast. All right, we're going to jump right into it. And uh, this week, we're going to look back at the opening week of the WNBA's 25th season. So after that first week of games, Tony, what has impressed you the most? The initial response from the league has been phenomenal. I think I saw a stat that says it's a 25% increase from viewership that they got last year. So just the fact that people are engaged and involved, that's what's impressed me the most. But if we're going to talk about the league and its players, uh, my predictions, Sean, are looking pretty good. I think you're going to owe me a sandwich at the Rusty Pelican at the end of this year because Brianna Stewart is killing it. She's leading the league in points and rebounds right now. Um, you guys know I'm a Liberty fan, and Sabrina has been absolutely on fire. Absolutely on fire. Uh, but it's not just her. Lanley's been good. Um, DD's been showing out. The rookie's playing really well. I mean, I, I, so I'm having a great time with WNBA this year. Um, it's becoming one of my favorite like side hobbies, one of my favorite side sports. I've been following it for like two or three years, but this year feels special. Um, what about you, Sean? What, what have you been loving? Yeah, you know, I think my predictions look pretty good, too. We talked about a surprise team, and I picked the Connecticut Sun, really just being yeah. biased, having a, a relationship going back to college with the, the head coach there, Kurt Miller. And they started off 2-0, so they're uh, tied for the best record in the WNBA right now. Obviously, Alyssa Thomas isn't there, but Dewana Bonner is uh, playing really well. 24 points, six rebounds, four and a half assists, uh, a steal and a half, and two blocks. So filling up the stat sheet for sure. And shooting a uh, Duncan Robin Robin, uh, Duncan Robinson esque fifty eight percent from behind the arc, pretty crazy. Um, the other person that's really impressed me is uh, Alicia Gray from D Dallas, um, having some some big time box scores, and uh, I got to check her out over the weekend. So great opening weekend, like you said, the interest is there, and uh, excited to see if if this you know wave can maintain over the season. Yeah, Marco, just go ahead and give me some really deep, detailed uh, WNBA analysis. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu is the best player I've ever seen. She is phenomenal. And by the way, guys, Marco, Five Reven Sports, welcome to the pod, man. I just wanted to sneak you in there real, real surprised like. All right, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, one thing I did want to ask you about the WNBA is how much do you think bubble... Uh, for the WNBA has helped the viewership this year in terms of getting the fans that started from last year coming into this year? I think it's huge. I think what was more important for the WNBA was the corporate sponsorships and talking with Tony last week basically enlightened me to some of that. But um, getting Googles into AT&Ts, uh, that's really what pushed them over the top, the Nike um, corporate deal. They were going to grow this direction anyway. But Sean, what do you think? Do you think the the viewership that they gathered in the Wubble was like really what pushed it to this point right now at the 25th anniversary? Yeah, you know, and I think the uh, the NBA really pushing behind it. I mean, it's it's always been sort of a you know a sister per se of the WNBA, where they were you know the women's side and supporting that. But I think it's it's been a much more um, um, heavy effort from the guys, players wearing the shirts, coaches wearing the polos over the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, in a genuine support, not just something where, hey, the, the NBA said, hey, wear these shirts. You can see the players on social media and, uh, you know, getting that exposure out there. So I, I like where it's headed. You know, I think it can maintain this uh, this strong start. 
Yeah, plus it gave us Spo in a white polo, which I don't think we've seen at all this year. Yeah, I think we should cancel that. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like the uh the contrast. His his skin tone to the white shirt, it just didn't look right. I, I like the black polo. Are you telling me looked looked, Miami though? Yeah, yeah. It, it, are you telling me it looked like he had a spray tan? I won't I won't take Spo slander. There was a there was a little orange on the uh, sleeves I saw. <laughs> Well, look, guys, we just had a slate of four games that we talked about uh, coming up for almost, it felt like two weeks. We played Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Detroit, and we came out of that slate three and one, but with a terrible, terrible loss at Milwaukee. Marco, you were there with us, documenting it the whole way. What was that four game slate like for you? It's weird. It was like a, a weird roller coaster that you kind of wanted to get off, but at the same time, you you were like, uh, I kind of want to keep riding this high of the regular season because they were like they ended up five and one over the last six game stretch, mm. which I thought was going to be enough for them to get the four or five, but every other team didn't want to lose as well, which made it hard. Uh, but the Milwaukee game was the the downside of all of that. It was a uh, annoying to say the least it's just it, it really hurt not to have jimmy out there uh if you want to talk about gainsmanship uh, i guess bro didn't didn't force to show his hand at all uh the team uh didn't really play much of their defensive sets they really like to run with jimmy because he's like the guy that makes everything happen off ball he doesn't let milwaukee run their offense so easily because he's like the help defender that scares everybody you know he leads the league and steals per game he has these awesome defensive metrics that like will make you like your eyes wide, like wow, this guy's amazing. He makes this team like really have to do it on defense. Uh damn helps there, but if you have both of them out there, it really makes a difference. I'm not gonna take too much away from that Milwaukee game. Uh the Pistons game was fun, because uh, nobody played and who doesn't love a final game of the regular season Eddie House show except with Max Struess? Uh, <laughs> that Max uh, Struess bo- dunk. Come on. The pull up on the rim, like smacked his belly on the bottom of the backboard. Explosive. Yeah, that was get hurt. I was I, like, damn, Max. Yeah, that was crazy. The two uh, Boston games, though, those were awesome. And the Philly game, those were two highs. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just forget that off my memory. Just because they, um, they lost that game in Milwaukee. You, you're, they're still playing the, their best basketball at the right time. Uh, and plus, Bo didn't really show his hand much, and. Uh, Milwaukee seemed like they really wanted that last game, so more power to them, I guess. Good on your regular season stuff. Uh, now we go to the playoffs, which is like the best time of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what Marco said. It, it was we 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 held up our end of the bargain, and I think as we looked over the last couple of weeks, we kind of projected where we needed to get to. We probably outperformed what we thought we had to do to get into that five spot. And the Knicks and the Hawks, they just kept winning. And, and, you know, we controlled our part and, and they just did better than we did. You know, they didn't lose some of the games that we did uh, that loss. You know, when you go back over the course of the season, how many times we lost games that we should have won. And, you know, you just change one of them, one game and you put yourself in the five spot, you know. And so it just shows you the value of the regular season. But in the big picture, we're playing our best basketball the season. We're largely healthy. And we're heading into a series where we get a week off avoided the play-in, give us a week to prepare, give us a week to rest, and let's see what happens. Not to forget Six. that the team was 
the fan base was panicking over even having to play in a playoff game, not even the week ago. Yep. So count your blessings. Yep. And that's that's you can compartmentalize that like 2020 vision stuff where you go, well, we should have pulled out a game here or there. We could have had the fifth or four seed. OK, but three to four weeks ago, if I told you we avoided the play and we would have had a parade. And every week of this show, the only guiding function for me was avoid the play in at all costs. That was the only thing I cared about. When you try to play the seeding game with the basketball gods, sometimes you, you get slaughtered. So all I wanted was the rest. I wanted the, I just wanted to avoid the play. It was what we did. So I can't be mad. Marco said it best. I mean, we're five and one over a course of six games. I would never expect this team to be that consistent. So I'm not upset at all. Um, I pretend that Milwaukee loss didn't even happen. And we're just moving into the playoffs. Like it, it's a great time to be a Heat fan. Yeah, you know, as we transition looking forward now, obviously as a six seed, we're playing the number three seed, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, we got to see them last weekend. We're going to pause. Can you hear the ice cream truck going by? Mr. Softy in the city, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. We're leaving all this in, by the way. Yeah. You want to sponsor our pod? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't respond. So anyway, so as we're looking forward <laughs> from the six seed, you know, playing the Bucks. We played them three times this year. Uh, we got demolished in that first game in Milwaukee right around New Year's Eve. Uh, the next night we came back, still no Jimmy, got a win, played him this weekend, no Jimmy, got our asses kicked. There's not a whole lot to unpack from those three games. So, you know, really just looking at the matchup on paper, what we know about these teams. Tony, what are you feeling? What are you thinking about it? Uh, on paper, this is a devastating matchup for us. Uh, I, I don't like uh, the op even the ways that we have to score the options that we have to do it. I don't feel really confident in right like the the drop in Brooke Lopez. So we're expecting Kendrick Nunn or whoever the ball handler is to attack the drop um, and score in a pull up. And I've never really trusted Kendrick's pull up too uh, strongly, but he's been great. And the one thing that is not added into the equation of what you just talked about is Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler has my supreme confidence. As a help defender, like you said earlier, he has been fantastic. One of the most effective players in the league and one of the most efficient true shooting percentages. And he has like a 28% three-point shot. So the his efficiency is literally ridiculous over the course of the season from everywhere but three. And it doesn't even affect his true shooting too much. Um, and he's an absolute ball stopper. Like the, the dude just dominates his matchup defensively. Um, and when him, Bam and Ariza are on the floor, all of a sudden we have a lot more length. Duncan strides have, have made the team more of a defensive factor going into the playoffs against these other longer squads. Uh, but Milwaukee scares the hell out of me just being straight up. It, it's a matchup that I'm not like super looking forward to. But I trust the Heat to win a game. And in a seven-game series, I trust them to pull out four just because they're more prepared. They're more together. They're more aggressive. They have the culture in their body. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not exactly happy about the matchup. Marco, how do you feel about this? Uh, it's it's so weird. Uh, when you look at it on paper, as you're saying, is uh, it's, oh, it's tougher to 
compartmentalize just how much Miami is going to miss a guy like, uh, not to bring up the name again, like Victor Oladipo. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to bring that. I'm going to say Bubble Goran Dragic. Let's put it that way. There, it's going to be hard that way. It does help, however, that Nunn's like, um, he's no longer what he was in the bubble. He's actually a playable uh, guy out there. So that, that hole is going to be filled up quite nicely in that sense. Uh, the pull-up shooting uh, hasn't been as good as last year. That's for none. Uh, looking at the numbers earlier, me I think, a 30% effective field goal percentage from those shots. Um, but those are the kind of shots that you're going to get. You're going to have to take what the defense is going to give you. Uh, I'm also talking to Bam Adebayo as well because they're going to be giving him a lot of space to operate. And you can't just let them get away with that, as you know, that last big season game showed. But that's the type of stuff that Coach Bo is going to put in the back of his mind uh, in a game like that. Whereas, you know, he's going to be like, bam, we saw this and this and so-and-so, and we're going to adjust our sets for doing this. Maybe we'll have more handoffs with just Duncan Robinson so that whenever he comes off that screen, he's either going to have an open shot because Brooke Lopez isn't going to be there showing up on the level of the screen because they really don't do that with him. Uh, as much as they want, they want to try. He's just not fast enough for that. It might be a adjustment they make sooner or later. But if they're not, and they're straight up dropping to the free throw line, uh, Duncan's gonna have an open three all day, or he can just run off that line and have Bam rolling hard to the rim. Or Duncan's maybe gonna have to take a pull up mid range, which I don't think he probably wants to do. He probably wants to get to the rim, which he's a really good rim finisher, uh, or get that open three. Uh, I do want to see more of Duncan's screen for Brooke, which is a thing that Milwaukee does uh, for Giannis. They have guard screen for Giannis more and more this year. It's a thing that they've really improved on. And maybe that's a thing that Spo brings out. Maybe Spo has a bunch of stuff in the back of his like card that he's not ready to pull out or that he wasn't ready to pull out during the regular season. Like, like we know Spo has some tricks up his sleeve like, that we haven't seen. And that kind of gets me excited, really. Uh, and I, I trust them to – I don't know. if It feels like it's going to be a really fun series. I know that's for sure. I think so it's going to be the most, the most like entertaining series, that's for sure. Quick thought, because as you talk about Duncan uh, screening, right, and I, I'm thinking about trying to get Giannis out of the play, so getting him to switch on the Duncan or getting Giannis out of the play, how fast do you think some of these things will occur? Like, we do, do you – do you like that Milwaukee has home court advantage for this? Cause it might even take us two games just to figure out how we're going to scheme against the bucks. That's, that's a good question. Actually. Uh, suppose a guy that he's weirdly like LeBron and that he takes that first game as a feel out kind of game. He doesn't like to reveal too much of what he might be doing the rest of the series. Um, and I, He's a guy that adjusts way faster than uh, Mike Budenholzer, that's for sure. Uh, that's yeah. a thing that you're going to trust him to make quick adjustments from game to game. Uh, it's not going to take him too long to maybe put, let's say, Jimmy Butler screening more for like Duncan or something. Like He's a guy that'll do that. He'll that's something, something I think crazy. we'll see too, by the way. I definitely think he, we'll see that. Yeah, that's one thing I've really looked at whenever I was looking back at some film earlier. Like, we really didn't see that because Jimmy didn't play, and no. a lot of smaller guys really didn't screen for uh, Duncan that much. So you might see that just to get Drew off of maybe Jimmy or whoever Drew's guarding. 
but yeah, it'll be. I think you're going to trust Spur to make these adjustments. He's. They might take the first two games. I do like that. I don't know if I like them being on the road, but I like that they have two chances of stealing a game. Uh, I think that if they steal that first game, then the pressure's all on Milwaukee and uh, Miami's going to be fine. If, if Miami loses that first game, there's not really going to be much pressure on Miami either. They have another game to steal. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that's been said about the adjustments, about the coaching. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm interested in to see is is the, the chess match with matchups. How is Spo going to match up? You know, is he going to use majority man-to-man? Is he going to play zone? Um, you know, defensively, how do they match up on us? There's there's a lot of interesting wrinkles in, in seeing how that happens because obviously you have different personnel than last year. Um, there's been a lot of good discussion already um, on different pods and, and on Twitter about, you know, where where's Duncan going to guard? Is he going to guard um, – Ira brought up putting him on Brooke Lopez, which is interesting. Like he's so much bigger, but is he going to just settle for threes? Are they going to post him up? If they post him up, it clogs up the middle. Um, it completely changes their offense. And obviously if they posted him up, Brooke's going to have a huge advantage against Duncan. Um, he would, he would foul out in, you know, a matter of like two and a half minutes because Duncan always gets called for those cheap fouls. But, you know, then you look at Drew Holiday, where's he going to go? How are they going to put, you know, Kendrick, where's he going to hide? There's just so many different things, you know, with Jimmy Bam and, and, and their defensive personnel all being so good. Um, a very similar style in a way that we both try to really limit paint touches and opportunities at the rim. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, is it the best matchup for us? Absolutely not. You know, we all would have preferred to play Atlanta or preferred to play New York. But in terms of intrigue as a fan getting to watch this, it, it's going to be a hell of a six to seven games i would hope um and you know what are we going to come out on top i wouldn't say for certainty you know like yes we are but i think we have a good chance if you post up duncan this is so interesting i haven't heard this yet if you post up if you have brooke post up duncan now you're opening up brooke you're putting the ball in brooke's hands there so he has to make a dribble or two um, beat us go for and it now you're, yeah go for it and then also like jimmy or Riza helping off a of Giannis, whichever, if he's on weak side or strong side, like wh- wh- whoever's by the ball is now helping off of the corner and, and the length and the ability to get steals with those two guys. I trust. I kind of like this idea of having Brooke post up Duncan and opening Brooke up either to, you know, get stripped or to force to beat us uh, as opposed or make a pass out to Giannis and shoot a three, which I mean, like, Okay. Again, exactly. If he's going to shoot jump shots and beat you, by all means, do it. If it's going to lead to jump shots from anyone besides Drew or Chris, by all means, go Oh, this is crazy. I love it. It it was a really good point. I I just don't know uh, where else you can hide Kendrick. If you're not going to put Kendrick on on, uh, DiVincenzo, you're going to have to put him on Drew Holiday because you can't put Kendrick on Brooke. You can't put Kendrick on Giannis. he'll He'll be out of the action most of the time, don't you figure? Who are you talking about? If, if they're having to post up Brooke, then uh, Drew sure. would be out of the action most of the time. You're, you're limiting him into being essentially a catch and shoot. You know, if they're going to, mm-hmm. if they help too much and you kick it out, uh, you know, who knows? That's, that's one ahead, of the Marco. many things. Go ahead, Marco. No, it's just the, uh, they did a similar thing with uh, the Jazz this year uh, when they switched dunk. They wouldn't start dunking on uh, Rudy Gobert, but they were like fine switching those screens and like, they were fine. They were like, okay, you're going to beat us with Rudy post-ups. 
It's a different thing with Brooke, though, because Brooke's actually a really good post player. But if that's the well you're constantly going to go to, Miami's probably going to be fine with that. All right. As the season comes to an end, it's time to gift out awards. And we're going to run down our award winners and debate the differences uh, along the way. But there shouldn't be too many in these first few categories. Guys, let's go to Coach of the Year. Uh, I think we're pretty unanimous on this. Monty Williams has done a phenomenal job uh, coaching the Suns this year. Is, is there anybody that wants to throw in a surprise candidate that, that they might have considered for being number one? I'm not going to throw in a candidate. I'm just going to go ahead and say how this award doesn't really tell you how good, who's the best coach in the league. It no. just tells you who has the best season and all that, which is and, why Eric Spolster hasn't even gotten close to this award in like since the 41 or the 30 and 11 team. And in fairness, I think probably, most of us pretended as if we were national media members, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be Monty or Thibs or Quinn. It's going to be one of these two guys. Nobody's going to mind whoever wins this award. It's a lot like the most improved player award. It's just, it's it's there. It's a nice uh, award to give somebody who's had a good year, but it really doesn't tell too much about like the league as a whole. It's just nice to give a guy like Monty, especially. He's just a really nice guy. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, 17 wins better than last season in a season that only has 72 games. So you had 10 less games and went up by 17. Two years ago, they were 19 and 63. You know, you can, you can point towards Chris Paul. You can point towards the job James Jones has done, but Monty deserves the credit. I think it's, it's almost a lock that he wins that. The coaches voted for him today as their coach of the year. So that's one kind of preview that you might have. So to that point, you have – executive of the year and i said marks and you said jones sean yeah i went for the culture gotcha <laughs> and now i kind of feel bad because it's it's really almost a toss-up and i probably should have went for the culture too marco do you do you have an executive of the year oh i forgot all about this award <laughs> i guess i put it out of my mind after pat riley had to share it with garpex in like oh. 2010 which was so lame um I don't know if I have a, I can think of a winner right now because like front office is such a like crapshoot most of the time. Mm-hmm. I do want to give credit to Del Mori for how he kind of adjusted the Sixers roster and with like just one off season and like how much, how much of a difference that, that made. Uh, so yeah, let's give some love to Del Mori. I'll give him my fake award. Why not? I like it. Yeah. So those are three good candidates. Um, moving over to rookie of the year, we had a unanimous pick. Everybody on our panel picked LaMelo Ball. Any discussion or uh, comments about that? He's phenomenal. Like, he is an absolute joy to watch play the game of basketball. I do want to give love to Anthony Edwards, though. Like, the dude was having a – he had a great, like, month, last month and a half. Uh, There's a caveat to that in that the last month and a half are with uh, rookies and these guys show out because they're getting a lot more minutes whenever the season's added, like – season's pretty much like the teams that they're on, they're not going to be playing their veterans anymore. And these guys are going to be able to run wild, but, and still like, he's been like pretty impressive in the minutes he's had. He's like second in the league and pull up three point shooting, which is like insane for a guy who's really, who's shooting really isn't that his biggest gift. It's like he's driving to the rim, Uh, but also 
Tyrese Halliburton, who was my favorite rookie this year. Uh, I want to also give him some love. It's too bad that he got hurt at the end of the year, but you know, I look forward to watch. This class is just really fun. Like I look forward to watching grow over the next few years. Yeah, you know, and that's the debate that we're going to have over the course of these awards is, is it season long and then, you know, players missing games to injury or COVID, how do you factor that in? LaMelo Ball obviously missed some time with injury. Halliburton got hurt at the end of the year. Edwards played more towards the end um, or really the last two-thirds of the season. Um, but, you know, all of those guys, like you said, super talented class. Um, that transitions us right into our all-rookie first team. We only talked about the first team. We didn't go into a second or third team with them. Uh, we had a couple unanimous. We had Jay Sean Tate from the Houston Rockets, Halliburton, Anthony Edwards, and LaMelo Ball. All of us had them unanimous. We all had uh, different centers on our team. Uh, myself and Tony had Isaiah Stewart, and Marco had Xavier Tillman. So either of you want to talk about your picks? Give me, give me why Xavier Tillman. Uh, I just wanted to be different. <laughs> I knew you were okay. probably going to pick Isaiah Stewart. I will say their numbers on a per 36 uh, basis are pretty similar, uh, considering Xavier doesn't get as many minutes or the same opportunity that he would if he were on Detroit or if he were the same kind of role. Uh, he would have gotten like way more shots up. Like I saw Isaiah was shooting threes. Like Xavier was already shooting threes before he came into the league. Like maybe he would have improved his shot even more. Uh, so I think his numbers would have probably looked better. And the numbers are still pretty decent for a guy coming off the bench and not even playing as much as Isaiah was at the end of the year, which is, yeah, again, to my point about guys who are on lottery teams get more opportunities as opposed to Xavier who had to play on a team that was actually playing for the playoffs. Yeah. With, with Isaiah, it was, it was more counting stats for me and, and just pure, like I, I like the fullness of his game, but you're, you, you could be making a great point. Like Tillman has this stuff in his bag. He just might not have been able to use it where he was, where Isaiah is kind of on a nothing team and he can do whatever he wants. So, uh, but for the sake of Isaiah Stewart's probably going to be the center on the rookie first team. And if we yeah. could go positionless, I would probably put Sadiq Bay in over Isaiah Stewart or Xavier Tillman. Oh, great, great observation. But, yeah. You know, the position wise, that was tough and and trying to put a true center in there and, and the other guys filling the guard and forward positions. It's almost as if we shouldn't make up positions for awards about who the five best players were. <laughs> or put Desmond right. Bain if it was positionless. Oh, yeah, Desmond Bain's yeah. getting there for sure. Uh, so we have again a unanimous. We're, we all are very like-minded people. So we all went Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I think that it's if you're going to argue against Gobert being Defensive Player of the Year, you're kind of stretching yourself a little thin. He has all the counting stats for it. He has all the impact stats for it. He, he fits the narrative of the national media. I think we all pretty much understand that. Um, uh, you both went for runner-up though, Bam Adebayo over Jimmy. Pitch me why you went Bam over Jimmy. See, it's hard. These dudes are like really, really like good defenders. Like, yeah, we're lucky to have them on the same team. Uh, and I think we take that for granted, which how high they elevate the team. Uh, I have been, I have been listening to the Jimmy arguments, and like when I hear them, they're like, like rounds. Listen, like I get it. I get why uh, he makes the defense so dangerous. Uh, I think Bam's more of like a key cog in how uh, teams game plan against Miami. And like, 
NATO want to go anywhere near BAM because uh, they're like, oh, we set a screen. He's just going to like tear down or shut down our point of attack. And he's, he's going to be such a force in terms of how teams, they're, they're not able to game plan around him because he's a center who's going to be in every play. He's like Giannis last year in terms of how, how much, how good he is uh, as a help defender and like how he scares teams. But Jimmy Butler also has that and he has the numbers to back it up. He has the numbers more than Bam does. And honestly, I'm fine either way with if you choose Bam or Jimmy. That's how lucky we are as Heat fans to get to watch it. Uh, but that's my main argument is for Bam because he's such a key cog in, to what Miami does defensively, how much he messes up the game plans for opposing teams. And I think coaches are going to probably look at that and be like, yeah, we, on the scouting report, we're always going to be mindful bam uh whereas jimmy i think they're also going to be mindful of him but it's just a it's just a it's very different for a guy who's a wing like that and when bam's like pretty much just a wing and he's in the paint as well it's it's like a you get a two for one oh ah. I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that oh, wow i didn't even okay is this, I guess I meant to do that. Is this, Sean, a direct <laughs> representation of the eye test versus the trackable? No. You know, and I think that's where some people can get tricked into when you're picking defensive player of the year and all defensive team, the counting numbers. You know, mm-hmm. steals make you a good defensive player. That's not true. Uh, in part it is, but, you know, we learned very well years of, I'm not going to say his name, the certain someone that used to wear 21 before Deadman that used to go for every block. He got tons of blocks. You know, he led the league in blocks. But he also, if you really looked into it, he was giving up offensive rebounds and and giving up paint scores because he was always trying to get the blocks. So those counting stats don't always tell the whole story. The reason I went Bam instead of Jimmy isn't because you could talk me into Jimmy. I, I wouldn't argue it. I went with him being there for more games. That was my tiebreaker. Uh, but okay. I think he's he's extremely important. Both of them are extremely important to what we do, and uh, I, I would agree with the argument behind them. But you know, definitely Gobert is number one. Yeah, and and we both we all felt that way going in the first team all defense as well. So let's do it like this, since now we're getting into uh, first team. Um, Sean, go ahead and run down your first team, and then we'll just go through it. I'll give you mine. Marco will give you his, and then we'll we'll talk about anything at the end. Sure. So we all had Gobert on the first team, obviously our defensive player of the year. Uh, We all had Ben Simmons and the other three positions is where we had different players. So I had Bam uh, as my forward. I had Draymond Green as my forward and I tried to squeeze Giannis in as a guard. So this is insane, by the way. No one authorized this. And the length of that team. Holy crap. So we have the best defensive team right there and we're going to play two, three zone, two, three zone with our length. This man's a wild card. All right. So I went for my three different. I went Jimmy, which obviously um, I've chosen to have a lot of value for, right? Um, Giannis and Drew. Okay. Uh, I kind of went on a little left field here. I went uh, Gobert, Draymond, uh, Jimmy as the two forwards, and Gobert as the center. And I had Drew and Ben Simmons as guards. I just I feel like uh, the I don't know why you guys didn't have Draymond there on the first team. I feel like he's had like a season comparable to like Jimmy Butler in terms of effectiveness. 
he that defense has no right being a top five defense at all without Draymond. I had him on my first team, and and I think he's the prime example of not having the counting stats, but his impact is undeniable. If you if you surveyed coaches, they would put him on the first team. Yeah, I think my problem is uh, I literally looked at this as a uh, national media member. And I and now that I'm looking back, I'm thinking to myself, Draymond would get votes from the national media because of name recognition. So I may have done this list a little differently with the context of the conversation we're having right now, but I also wouldn't have put Draymond first team over Giannis or Jimmy. So if you can say their seasons are comparable, uh, Draymond and Jimmy, I'm still taking Jimmy over Draymond uh, just for team success alone, at least in their division. So I, I, I'm probably still putting Jimmy first, but I might have put Draymond on second team. But we'll, we'll keep rocking. We'll get down to second team. We're all agreeing on the centers again with Joel Embiid, which I think is pretty undeniable. The, the Gobert and the Embiid pieces – are all good. We all have Marcus Smart as one of our guards, but Sean, go ahead and start telling me where we begin to differ. Sure. I had Jimmy Butler, OG Anobi, and mm. Drew Holiday. So I went with uh, a lot of versatility again. Uh, Jimmy right on the fringe of being that first team, and uh, OG and Drew rounded out my team. Marco, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I had uh, Joel as the center, Bam. Uh, and Giannis as the two forwards, Marcus Smart as uh, one of the guards, and Fred Van Vliet as the other guard. I will say this before we get into Fred Fred talk, hashtag Fred talk. Uh, we're going to – I was interested in the positions, how they're going to be voted in. If Jimmy Butler is all, can also be in as a guard, I'd have him on my first team guard over Drew Holiday. And I'd slide in as the other forward, bam, on the first team. If, so it's if, it seems that way, too. Like, all national media is putting him in as guard, almost. Okay, so that's how I would do it. And then I would slide Drew down, and I would move Marcus Smart off, and I'd take, put him in this in his spot. And my new uh, forward down there and the second team would probably be OG Ananobi, if that were the case. Yeah, and and since we're all just making audibles as we go here, um, I'm going to make one because I've, I felt pretty bad about it all day. I have Embiid, Bam. I had Matisse Stiebel, and I have Matisse Stiebel because clearly my entire ranking is based off of impact na- uh, math and, and tracking stats. And as I think about it, it becomes harder and harder for me to place Matisse there when he doesn't finish games for the, the Sixers. Um, I will tell you this, though. OG and Matisse are both future defensive MVP candidates. Like these two guys are some of the best defenders I've seen play at like this young of an age. They're, they're excellent. And we can hate the Sixers all day, but Matisse is a, a just, he blows up plays. I mean, he's an incredible defensive player. Um, he just has some rounding in the form to do, but the rest of it, Marcus Smart, Fred Van Fleet, uh, I'm, I'm game with. But I'm going to change Matisse into OG Ananobi. So mine's going to be Embiid, Bam, OG, Smart, and Fred Van Fleet. Imagine doing this for guys' potential bonuses. I could never, like, 
oh, try to God. do that. <laughs> I the way Bill Simmons approaches it is exactly how I would do it, which I'm like calling all my friends, talking to them, like, hey man, um, what's your lineup? Like, let me hear what you got going on. Like, I I, I would hate to be wrong about this. Yeah, it's tough exactly. because obviously in, in our positions, we're trying to watch as much basketball as possible, but even for their positions as national writers that have these votes, how can you possibly see enough film of all of these guys, you know, to really understand the impact and you get yourself in trouble if you're just going to go look at blocks and steals and stuff like that. So definitely not an easy task. We learned that uh, the hard way with trying to put this together today. Uh, so we'll transition over to most improved. We have another one that's unanimous. I think it's a pretty clear um, pick across the board and that is Julius Randall. So, Julius Randle, obviously a huge piece of the Knicks, um, incredible improvement. Um, I wrote down a little bit about him, um, 24, 10 and six, 41% from the three point arc, you know, was never really a great shooter and has just improved across the board, career highs across the board. So anyone want to talk about Julius or talk about any of their other candidates for that one? Uh, no, I just wanted to bring up Julius's pull up. Uh, shooting stats are crazy this year and his stats from like 16 feet to the three-point line went from like 27 percent to high 40s which is an insane jump for a guy who is never known as a shooter and for most of those shots to be contested and to be like what the what the f shots so props to him for like improving that we'll see how much that stays around next year but for this year i think he deserves the props all the way Julius also gets the most fatigued player in the year because he's only sat for about 16 minutes the entire season. So Tibbs is just running his ass into the ground. I was looking, I was trying to find the stat for Michael Porter Jr. That was um, the Wilt Chamberlain stat. Anytime there's a stat, Wilt Chamberlain's always involved. But uh, for someone who has scored more than, I think it's 19 points a game, him and Wilt are the only two players to average over 60% effective field goal rating. And that number might be off one or two degrees one way or the other way because I can't find the damn stat. But it's been his season. Michael Porter Jr. deserves some recognition here. His season has been uh, – just he's been crazy as far as where he was last year and almost being a, basically a non-factor in the playoff series to what he's doing now. I think he, his name just deserves to be thrown around in there. Yeah, I have in my notes 54, 44, 79 splits. And yeah, that's I, and crazy. You can do the math on that, but you can just tell from that, you know, his effective field goal percentage had to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. So uh, transitioning over to the sixth man, uh, we had different picks this time. So it's, it's nice to have a little bit of a debate here. I had picked Jordan Clarkson, um, his impact on the Jazz, you know, being a sixth man scorer off the bench. Uh, he was my pick. And uh, we'll, we'll throw it over to Marco. Well, who did you lose your pick? I, I love this pick, by the way. It's a fantastic pick. I don't know. Marco, do you know you're muted? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joe Ingles, uh, mostly because I'm tired of the, the trope of the inefficient guard coming off the bench, chucking up as many shots as he can. Uh, it gets up the counting stats and all that. Uh, I just wanted to be different. I'm going to go with Joe Ingles just because of that. It's very similar to an argument I remember having Back in 2015, I want to say, uh, when Andre Godala came off the bench his first year and how impactful he was, he just didn't have the counting stats that guys like Lou Williams or 
or these kind of small guards who were putting up as many shots as they could. Because uh, you saw the impact that he had. He had good numbers like across the board, much like Joe Ingles does. He's the same kind of player. Both big guys who can handle the ball, who kind of connect everything. They don't ask. They're not asked to do too much. Uh, but what they do in their role is pretty great, and they lead a team to I like shooting threes. I never noticed how similar this is actually. Uh, Joe's a good defender as well. He's not great, but he's also like like pretty good. Uh, he can st- you can stick him on multi- like multiple positions. Like he's a one through four kind of guy. Uh, I just wanted to you know show him some love, and I was I'm really tired of the we give this award to the same kind of guy every year. So I think if you go back far enough in my random history on Twitter, you can find me giving Joe Ingles a ton of fucking love. Uh, he's one of my favorite players to just watch. But we, we can all agree that six man is probably very subjective, right? Definitely. Yeah, like one, like really you could just throw any name out there. Like, um, yeah, it feels like, like that. Right? Like you could just put any name out there. Like Dwayne fucking Deadman. Let's like go. Dwayne Deadman. Okay, elite in his role, elite in his role. His win share numbers for every 100 possessions, I think, are crazy. They're crazy. He grabs so many damn rebounds that the rubber on the ball starts to evaporate. The man is a myth. He's a legend. He's the only person in Heat history to ever wear 21. I don't give a shit what anybody tells me. And his name's going in the rafters. Sixth man of the year, Dwayne, Mr. Deadman. So let's get in the let's get in the NBA first team, guys. We uh, again are very similar in first team. I think for most people, a lot of positions in first team are basically a lock. Uh, we we all have Jokic as our starting center. Um, we all have Giannis in the first team. We all have Steph in the first team. I think those three are, are like undeniable. Uh, there's no version of this where you cannot have Steph, Giannis, and Jokic within your first team, unless you're taking Giannis and putting him in a center on second team, but. I, I wouldn't. Um, so let's talk about some of the other pieces that we have here. Sean, go ahead with yours. Who did you put at your second guard spot and your second forward spot? Yep. So in addition to those three, uh, my other guard was Dame Lillard. Uh, I thought his impact um, really carrying Portland uh, late in the season, especially um, to a playoff spot. And I went with Jimmy Butler. Uh, I thought his impact on both ends. Obviously, he missed some games, but he's he's had an amazing season. When you look at statistically and, and the impact, and, and not just being biased as a Heat fan, I thought you know if he's not first team, he's certainly second team, and and so I, I gave him the bump uh, on my first team. So Marco, go ahead and tell me about this sin that you committed by putting Joel on first team. Well, I only did this for one reason only. I'm trying to get. Uh... Bam out of bio on, a, on an NBA all, all NBA team. <laughs> Understood. This is like probably the only way he's going to get on, and the shenanigans are going to be brewing. And also, you know, we've had so many years the past couple of like let's say hand like decade pretty much, where there's been guys that have been listed in positions where they're not supposed to be. And people don't don't really care. But now that they're sinners, it's like a problem now. And like, okay, guys, we finally have like these dominating centers again. And we have an excuse to put them on first team. Why not do it? These guys, this is their, you know, their paychecks are going to be 
inflated if they get these awards. And they deserve it because these are two MVP candidates who deserve to be on the first team, really. But if, if you find if, a way to fit them in, then why not? If first if team goes same. positionless, though, which is, I, you know, me banging the horn again, I think Embiid is on NBA first team if, if it's positionless. And I think that's where this is. That this, I guess this is where my, uh, my reasoning is going forward because of that. I want it to be positionless, and this is like as close a step as I can go for that. <laughs> so I, I went with uh, Jimmy and Luca. Uh, Jimmy is fifth in the league in player efficiency. He's fifth in win shares. He's fourth in box plus minus. He's leading the league in steals. His his impact is undeniable. The only players in front of him are, are four that we've named, uh, which is like Jokic, Giannis, Steph, uh, Dame. Dame's uh, player efficiency ratings or, or offensive ratings are like crazy out of, out of this world. So, mm-hmm. I, like, I don't think there's a reason Jimmy can't be on first team. I, I don't think that's what's going to happen nationally. This is the one spot where I got a little heat homery and put Jimmy all the way this high. I, I just think he he deserves it, man. There's not too many people that play more impactful minutes than him. The one thing that's going to hold him back the most time on the court. I, I think a lot for a lot of people, it's going to be hard to put him that high with how uh, little he's played this season. But if, if it's me, I've watched him all season. I know how impactful he is. I'm throwing him on that first team. He's played in enough games uh, to justify that, uh, especially if you're going to put a guy like Embiid on the teams, because I think he's played about the same number of games. So I think it's fine putting him on either the first or second team, which I have with my second team. You guys are kind of making me feel bad for not putting him on the first, but I'm playing I'm playing the long game here with the Embiid Jokic stuff. <laughs> and I have Giannis as my other forward and Luca and Steph as my two guards. Yeah, yeah. We're for most part we're we're pretty in line. It's just kind of what teams we put people on. So, go ahead, Sean. Um, so yeah, so our second teams are where we really start to break apart and have different opinions. So, um, you know, we were very similar in our first team. Our second teams, everyone has differences. No one has a consensus across the board. All three of us picked the same guys. Uh, so my second team, I went Joel at center. Uh, for my forwards, I went Kawhi and LeBron. And for my guards, I went Luca and Chris Paul. So, Tony, what did you have? Uh, I went Joel at center, Zion, Kawhi, Dame, and Paul George. And uh, I'll, we can get into this afterwards. Marco, what did you have? Okay, so I had uh, – yeah, obviously Mar- I had Joel Marco's getting tired of me slam- slamming him for Joel. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just slamming him because he's the guest. I had uh, Gobert. Because, you know, he's uh, probably going to end up here anyway, even though, uh, you know, his offensive numbers may not be there. But his overall impact is still, like, it's it's worthy of at least second team. And I think he'll end up, if not on second, he'll probably end up on other people's third. Uh, but he's on my second. Jimmy as my forward. Uh, Kawhi as my other forward. Dame as my uh, first guard. And CP as my uh, other guard. I keep giving you I keep giving you a lot of shit. Do you think that it, in the end when the national media has polled their votes that the Jokic and Bede is like more likely than the Jokic uh Giannis Gobert Jokic do you think Jokic and Bede Giannis is more likely hmm. than any other combination? I don't I don't know. It's 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 a the national and you know the local people are probably going to win to give props to these guys 
but I've seen a lot of people still end up going the traditional route, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny to me considering the All-Star game doesn't even go the traditional route. This is the uh, only thing. Yeah, this is the only thing. Uh, but if they do, then maybe next year the people might be like, okay, we might need to get rid of just positions altogether or they might just go okay we're just going to go the all-star game uh, where it's going to be front court back court sort of thing so i think the first thing i want to get to here is uh, uh lebron on second team sean you felt strongly enough about his season to put him on second it's, it's kind of funny because I, I in certain stances i went with missed games and penalized like when i picked jim or when i picked bam over jimmy for defensive player of the year runner-up in this case, in all NBA, I just went with the players that I thought were the best, regardless of how many games they played. So I didn't discount LeBron. I know I'm the only one that had him on any of the teams. Um, yeah, I just think when he was on the floor, he was great. And obviously, we would all agree that. You know, we all know that LeBron, LeBron is mm. great. So uh, I put him on the third team just because I felt I felt he was better than Zion, and I didn't want to put Julius Randle on the second team. That was it. I just didn't feel like giving the Nick the honor. So I put him on the third team. <laughs> Pretty unbiased gun dry right opinion. there. <laughs> unbiased opinions by us. I I think uh, the one, you know, that you, you pointed out for me was Zion and uh, LeBron did take a penalty for missing games for me. And this is the point about all NBA. Like, look how freaking subjective this is. Uh, Zion was an absolute force for so long. I mean, if you look at his, uh, percentages around the rim i mean he's just devastating he impacts the game so heavily the dude uh comes onto the court and like automatically the on-off numbers are significantly improved he he just can do pretty much whatever he wants without like the best shot on the floor when he's got ahead of steam but even now i feel so strongly about his game that i'm willing to put him at second team forward um Kawhi is there too for me I- i'm watching teams specifically set guard screens to get Kawhi out of the way like just to get him out of the play and then they run a whole nother action to try and score so they like teams will set up two actions just to get a good look at the basket and one of them is dedicated to just moving Kawhi out of the way so like a guy like that for me um and and still being able to help the offense as strongly as he does um got him into second team, but I had a lot of debate about that because I also have Paul George as my second team guard. And I was like two players, same team. Uh, but Paul's been absolutely dominant too. And what he's done, his improvement's been great uh, coming off the playoffs. And then, I mean, Dame requires no discussion whatsoever. Dame is an absolute killer this year. Um, Marco, you also have Kawhi second team with me. You felt strongly enough about him and put him at second team. Yeah, it feels like Kawhi's had a really under-the-radar kind of season, uh, which lines up with the Clippers' um, season this year. They've wanted, they've wanted to be under the radar. They don't want to have such a big storyline. Like last year, there was just all this drama about, oh, they're not playing, they're not practicing, the team's giving them favorable stuff. Oh, they're going on these kind of bad spells. You really didn't see that this year, and Kawhi really was an embodiment of all that he was just taking care of his business while being like crazy efficient like Kawhi's that's one thing that's always gone on the radar with Kawhi is his efficiency he's always been like really good at the free throw line really good at the mid-range yeah. where he's like he's a killer and he's a good three-point shooter and he's on the best three-point shooting team in the league 
I feel like he's had really underrated year, which is, has also been the case for Paul George, uh, which I like you going with him on the second team, actually. Uh, I actually had a battle with this when we go to the third team, but uh, I'll bring that up later. Uh, but yeah, I had Dame as well. If Dame's like, he's going to make at least first or second. Uh, I, think, I, don't think, I don't think there's any argument about that. Uh, it's just going to be up to whoever's going to be him or Luca on a lot of people's first or second teams. Yeah, and and I think the low-keyness of the Paul George pick might push one of those guys up or down. Like, you might see Kawhi in some people's third teams, or you might see George in some people's third teams. I feel like they're all deserving. So let's 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 circle back to Sean for one second. You put Chris Paul on your second team, and I did want to talk about this. I just think his impact wherever he goes is, is very easy to see. I mean, he's he's the point god for a reason. I mean, he he instantly had an impact on a team that, you know, got hot in the bubble, had a lot of promise, but he's turned them into a true title contender. Um, you know, we'll see later this week if they draw the Lakers in the first round, those title odds probably drop a little bit. But um, you know, I, I just think his impact on that team, he I wouldn't I wouldn't argue if you said, "Hey, let's put him on the third team." But um, I felt like he had a great season, and he deserves that honor for uh, for what he did and the impact that he had. Marco, I yeah, that's I pretty much agree with everything Sean said. Uh, I think my I like to compare Chris Paul's season this year to Steve Nash's two MVP seasons, where it's very hard to quantify just how how much of an impact he has on a team and how how he runs a team, even though the counting stats may, may not be as impressive. Though I will not have a problem if he doesn't end up on, maybe not even on any team, but it, it's Look. very it's very hard to really put into words just how much of an impact he has. Everywhere he goes, he makes the team better. And I, <laughs> that's, my, that's been my comparison, has been the Steve Nash years, where it's, it's when you watch it, you really understand like, what's, what he brings to the table. Look at how subjective this is. We are arguing that this guy helps the team do better, maybe against counting stats, right? Like this is us literally saying CP3 is so good with culture. He's a culture guy. He should be second team. This is the reason CP3 didn't even end up on my list, okay? Come onto the court and directly impact any statistic enough to say that Chris Paul wins you games. And his off numbers don't go when he's off the court. Teams just dominate the Suns either. Um, and Kyrie is very much in the same vein. Like the, when Kyrie's on the floor, there is a 4% uh, offensive uh, rating increase, right? So I really looked at the two guys and had to decide like, okay, they're, they're not – impacting the game in a, an accountable number way where I can put one over the other one. And I, I just picked the guy who I thought would affect the offense more. And also here's another thing, right? Chris Paul's playing with Devin Booker. Um, Kyrie is playing with James Harden and Kevin Durant. And he's still impacting the offense more than Chris Paul was. So I, I had to take Kyrie over Chris there I, I felt like I couldn't leave Beal off. Um, and I felt like I couldn't leave George off. So CP3 didn't even hit my list. But is that blasphemous to you guys? Not really. I, I totally understand. And like, again, the voting is so subjective. And, and like, there's so much you could throw out the window that you can make a case for like so many dudes. Right? 
yeah, it doesn't seem so outlandish to me as as well because the numbers guys are putting up like this year is is insane. Like, there's so many dudes putting up at least twenty points a game. Like, people are gonna make cases for like a bunch of people. Yeah, like Beal's counting stats are crazy. But then you could turn to me and go, yeah, but Beal's on the Wizards, and that that Suns team was winning games, right? And then I I could mm-hmm. go. Yeah, because earlier I said I I cared about winning, and now all of a sudden I don't in this pick, and this is irony and subjection, the whole thing. It just shows you how deep the top end of the NBA is right Yeah, I'm just looking at our list, and and there's five guys I don't have on my third team or any of my three teams. Bam, Durant, Harden, Levine, Beal. That's a hell of a five right there. Like You could put that in there as – a second or third team, any of those guys. And I know, you know, they missed some games, but right there, you got the second leading scorer. You got two guys that are on potentially the title contending team. You have maybe one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in the year. And Levine, who's had a great statistical season for a team that's not very good. I mean, you can make an argument, like Marco said, for 20, 25 guys for any of those top 15 spots. So let's get in the third team. I have Gobert. LeBron rounds out my third team uh, in in his his honor. He has to get a ceremonial spot in an NBA All Team. Uh, Julius Randle, uh, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. Uh, Sean, go ahead and tell me who you got. Uh, so I also had Kyrie. Uh, I had Paul George, Zion, Julius, and Rudy Gobert. Marco, it's very similar to mine because I have. The long game pays off when I have Bam as my 13 center, uh, Julius, uh, Zion, Beal, and Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie, he's another, he's a 50 40 90 guy. 50 40 90. On insane, like, he's at, at least like 26 points. He's the first guy to do that since like Larry Bird did it two times, which is uh, pretty hilarious. Uh, or, and Kevin Durant as well, his teammate for. For God's sake, like what the hell? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I had a tough time with the uh, guard here, but I'm going to be fine with whoever ends up guard here behind these two positions. Like you could make, you could tell me, oh, you should switch Paul George for Beal or for Irving. I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll happily do that. But you know, just a lot of hand wringing at the end. And I feel bad for not having LeBron here, but. He's going to get an honorary spot for himself. I think, like Kevin Arnovitz said it when I heard him on the low post, like it should just be a spot for LeBron where he gets like a commemorative kind of spot every year, even when he probably retires or something. Uh, which, you know, I feel bad for that. But, you know, I want to give the young guys some love. You know, LeBron has enough of these accolades already. Why not give it to these dudes? And I don't have a vote, so why not? Don't, don't tell him that. He's going to make a tweet about it. This was oh, the hardest hardest path in NBA history to the All-NBA team. LeBron, he made it. The hardest path anyone tried to take. He, he wasn't 100%, Sean. Yeah, exactly. He never will be. So, speaking of LeBron, uh, former MVP, let's transition into this year's MVP. And we unanimously had Nikola Jokic. We talked about that earlier. Uh, we can talk a little bit about him. Um, but we all also had Steph Curry and Joel Embiid. Um, me and Marco had the same order. We had Steph second, Joel third, and Tony had Joel second, Steph third. So let's just break that down, unpack the whole thing. So Jokic is our unanimous. At this point, it seems like that's the likely outcome. 
Uh, anyone, you know, feel like there's a possibility for any of these three or anyone else to jump into that race? No. These are the three for sure. Uh, the Steph stuff, I've kept making this comparison. I've seen all the people make it. Uh, I feel like I made it first, though. Hashtag, we had it first. Uh, not you, Dos Minutos. Or I was just about to say, now, now he's coming. He's coming for <laughs> us now. Uh, it's the Dwayne Wade comparison. Like, I, I was beating that drum for, like, forever. Even before the season started, I was like, this might be one of those years where Steph might put up a bunch of numbers, but the team may just be kind of mediocre at best. And the fact that he's had them even close to the record that they are right now shows how good Steph is and, again, how good Wade was that year. Uh, and this is kind of me retroactively giving love to Dwayne that year because I don't even think he finished second in voting that year, if I remember correctly. I think Chris Paul ended up second that year, or Kobe did. There was a lot of good players that year. Uh, but, yeah, I wanted to show Steph's love, Steph some love by finishing second. But, you know, second is first loser, and Jokic is our winner here, and it's very clear that he's going to be the winner. Uh, when, we, when it's all said and done anyway. Yeah, there's. I, I wouldn't argue that. I just think his impact, you know, without him or without him playing to the level that he did, the Warriors are not a good team. He made them relevant with the way he played. And, and that's why, you know, the Wednesday night game against the Lakers is so intriguing because on any given night, he's so good that he could win that game, even against a team that's great with the Lakers. Um, so Embiid was great early on. He missed some games, so I think that hurts him a little bit in terms of this this voting. But I also don't think that you know just because Jokic played all those games, that's why he's first. I think over the course of the season, if you if you factor everything in, he was the best player statistically. His impact, everything across the board. Uh, I, I like I like him winning it, and I think he's a good. He, he's kind of outside the box. He's not the normal MVP that we've seen over the last few years. And, and the hypocrisy of lists like this are, are like, uh, we all agree in Jokic, it's really clear. And I put Embiid second and you guys put Curry second, where I, it's, I just, the 76ers are a better team. And he was a dominant player on a much better team, even though earlier I used the opposite argument uh, for a player on my list. And it's just kind of the way it works. Steph came on so strong, definitely in the back half of the season after the deadline. And he, made, he brought that team into the play in like sheer force of will. And he deserves MVP votes, and I hope he gets them. Um, but Jokic has been absolutely spectacular. You could have made a case for Jokic for MVP last year. Um, he, he was He's just an incredible player, man. All right, Sean, you want to close this out by thanking this week's sponsor? All right, Sean, you want to close this out by thanking this week's sponsor? Yeah, we have a lot to celebrate after six episodes of this podcast, but I feel as though we're cursed with our sponsors. The Rusty Pelican, Polo Tropical, the Miami Biogenesis Clinic. Nobody's renewed after our creative ads. Nobody's, nobody's renewed? Do, do we even have a, a sponsor this week? We have bills we have to pay. What do you think, Marco's cheap? Uh, wait, you guys haven't even paid me yet. Oh, that's our show. See you guys next week.